Hello everybody, I'm Charlotte. And I'm Dina. Welcome to the Grim Curriculum Extra Credit. Hello. Hello, hello. How are we feeling today? I'm good. I'm good. I'm always excited to record these episodes and we have some really fun topics today, so mm-hmm. I can't wait. Yeah, they're all fairly lighthearted, which is nice. And actually quite a few of them are animal related, so I'm stoked for this. Yeah, it's going to be a lot of fun. So let's dive right in straight into Loch Ness for our first story, friends. Yeah, so not quite an animal per se, but I would say animal adjacent at the very least. A creature of sorts. Yeah. So the first official 2023 sighting of Nessie was logged by 13-year-old Francesca McGarvey from Paisley. I love the name Francesca. I think that's beautiful. And I love that it was a 13-year-old girl that spotted this, the legendary Nessie. I'm very, very excited for her, honestly. Like, that, mm-hmm. that's a pretty big deal. Yeah. Uh, so the story is she was in the car and they were driving towards Fort Augustus and she saw a dark shape emerge from the water traveling north. And uh, the area that it was in was in a known part of Loch Ness that Nessie is supposed to, like, really, really like to be in. She said that there were humps, and then it kind of looked like the back of a whale, but it was the length of two saloon cars, which seems very specific and strange for a child to say, uh, <laughs> but like 20 feet in total. I I mean, I never really thought about how big Nessie actually is, but 20 feet seems like a lot. I mean, that's a whole ass dinosaur is what that is. Oh yeah, definitely. And it like it, she saw it for a full 30 seconds. She took a picture. She told her parents and they couldn't pull in safely. They couldn't pull over. So they kind of just kept going. Um, but she says that her dad did briefly see it. And uh, she did get a photo of it. And she also drew a picture. Yeah, and something to mention, too, is that this was in the middle of the day. She said she saw something in the lock at about, well, just close to noon at about 11.50 a.m. So it was broad daylight and everything. It wasn't like some spooky specter coming out of the foggy darkness or anything like that. It was pretty uh, blatant from the look of it. Yeah, exactly. I mean, I'm looking at the photo. Yeah. Um, (laughs) I don't know that I... Necessar- There's definitely, like, three darker objects, shall we say, in sure. the water, but I don't know that I would constitute that as uh, Nessie, but the photo does look a little grainy and zoomed in, so, I mean, I'm not judging. If she says she saw it, I fucking believe her. You know what? Yeah, still, good for her. Does it kind of look like a log? Yeah, but it might not be. Yeah, and I mean, this is Loch Ness we're talking about. This isn't just, you know, any body of water, so... Right, I I agree with you completely, and you know what? (laughs) It could be, I, for her sake, I hope that it is, because that would be very, very exciting, and I'm in, like, full-blown believing in what's out there, cryptid mode right now, so I'm like, (laughs) yeah, definitely, it's Nessie. Yes, 100%. I think... There's something to be said for kind of keeping your inner child alive by believing in these little things that, for all intents and purposes, are completely harmless. You know, it's not like you're believing in some sort of dangerous conspiracy. 
Yeah, so, exactly. I say go for it. And apparently she's not the only one out there who really does believe in the Loch Ness Monster because right now there's around 200,000 searches every month for it. And 120,000 searches for people looking for accommodation close to Loch Ness because they want to go investigate. That's great. I would love to visit. I've actually fucking brutal um, no-no, I guess we'll call it. I've never been to Scotland. I've actually never been to Ireland or Wales either, which is awful when I'm literally from the UK. But I would definitely make the effort to go up to Loch Ness if I was ever up there. Oh my goodness, how could you not? If anything, it's a beautiful place, but you gotta go looking. Mm Mm-hmm. Absolutely. And that's how I feel about Kelowna here, not to get too off topic, but I think about uh, our own little version of the Loch Ness Monster, Ogopogo. Mm -hmm. I would definitely love to go and investigate that, and that's a lot closer to home. Yes, yeah. Only a mere, what, like 10-hour drive from where we are right now? That's Not so shabby. Yeah. Uh, So to segue, let's get into something a little more out of this world. April 13th of this year, 2023, a rare fireball meteorite flew over Maine, and now there's actually a $25,000 reward for any pieces of space rock that have chipped off of it in the landing. I mean, that's a good find. Oh, I I don't know... I mean, $25,000, $25,000, but I would be very tempted to hold on to it for myself if I found a piece of this. I th- Are, feel like that's oh, such a cool thing. Oh my God, no, I would go hunting. I, if I was close to there, I would be out there looking for these rocks. I would be finding them and I would be trying to cash in. Mm-hmm. I'm very curious to know if any of our listeners from Maine at all did actually see it because apparently it was broad daylight when it went flying by and um, experts are hoping to study it that's why they're offering such a big financial reward Um, but NASA says that this was the first radar observed meteorite fall ever seen in Maine it was shortly before noon on Saturday uh, that day in April and it was basically a loud fireball that started kind of over New Brunswick up in Canada followed by loud sonic boons, boons, booms near Calais in Maine. So not only was it like bright and spectacular, it was noisy as well. That would scare the crap out of me. Especially if you, you know, had no heads up, you weren't expecting it or anything, and then that thing went flying through the sky. Oh my goodness, especially like in this day and age with everything in the news and just like the uncertainty of every single part of the world, I'd be like, oh, this is it. I'm sure there was a few people that probably thought so, because um, according to the article, the fact that we were even able to see it in the daylight just indicates how bright it actually was. And if it had flown over during the nighttime, it would have been absolutely spectacular. Oh, absolutely. Like, I mean, it's one thing to see this thing flashing at night, but during the day, that's that's wild. That's huge. Yeah, and like you say, with all the conflict and stuff in the world happening at the moment, my first thought probably would not have jumped to meteorite. It probably would have been like, oh, that's the nuke. (laughs) Right? I'd be like, well, that can't be good. (laughs) Apparently, it's really hard to uh, find pieces of meteorite, and now I'm feeling very discouraged. 
Yeah, it says the museum in particular that is offering the big financial reward is looking for a kilogram of the meteorite for twenty five thousand. <laughs> but it would be willing to purchase other fragments of other sizes as well. But basically, the specimens are worth their weight in gold. So if you're in Maine and you saw this bad boy fly over, you might want to get out your I don't know magnifying glass or something and go hunting for it right before it's all gone. The article does say, and I will say this is a heads up, um, if you are going hunting for pieces of meteorite, one must obtain permission to hunt on private property. So, like, don't be just running through farmers' fields and stuff because it probably wouldn't be appreciated. And if you told them you were looking for meteorite, it's probably not going to go over very well. <laughs> Can you imagine, like, what are you doing on my property? Oh, I'm hunting meteorite fragments. Yeah, you can hunt meteorite fragments back the way you came is what you can do. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> oh, man. I love that uh, they had to specify that. I love it, yeah, because people, well, we know what people are like. Let's just leave it at that. <laughs> so, uh, Saturday, the day that we're recording this episode, the coronation is going on. Do you want to say anything about the coronation? <laughs> not really, because I have big feelings about it that not everyone agrees okay, with. So. <laughs> Because if we start talking about the coronation, it's just going to become a shit on the royal family fest <laughs> for the next hour and a half. I, uh, mean. I mean, we could we can talk about it, but I have feelings. <laughs> oh my god, yeah, it's awful. Um, let's see. I mean, we could talk about the fact that at the um, one of the grounds that will be holding the after party events basically has had a giant penis mode into the lawn. Did you see that? <laughs> no. Oh my god, let me show you a picture. It's great. Um penis lawn coronation. <laughs> Should bring it up. Let's see what we got here. Oh yeah. A giant <laughs> Yeah. Anyways. Moving on. Um <laughs> let's talk about the war that New York City is waging against their rat population. Yes, and before we get into that, something that some of you may not know is that Alberta is supposedly a rat-free province. Yeah, and has been for quite some time. I feel like we have mentioned this at some point during the podcast. It seems to ring a bell. But basically, yeah, historically speaking, we have eradicated the rat's from Alberta. Now, if you talk to some people, they'll be like, that's absolute baloney. And I have seen giant rats, but I've never seen one in Alberta. But I also don't leave my house, as we've discussed in the past. So, <laughs> well, apparently, we've been rat free since about the 70s. And we have an actual like rat border patrol, I guess. I don't know what else to call it, but they. They're people who are hired to sit there and make sure that rats don't get into Alberta. And mm -hmm. uh, I guess we pay a lot of money for that. But uh, yeah, interesting fun fact about our province, because I know a lot of other places like New York are very much the opposite. Yeah, I mean, we've all heard legendary stories about the rats in New York and how they're like as big as Shih Tzus and like steal pizza from your hands and stuff like that. Yeah. Um, but apparently Kathleen Karate is the newly appointed New York City rat czar, which I thought was quite the title. And she is going to be the person that is heading this fight to address the population getting out of control for the rats in New York. Because basically, there's so much garbage and stuff on the streets that the rats, the rats, the rats are just 
thriving in this urban environment. I just can't get over the title Ratsar. 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 Like Like, that is so like royal, official. I don't know what word to use. It's just not what I would expect her to have. Maybe it's because it sounds a little classier than like Rat King. Because I'm pretty sure that's like a gnarly boss thing in Diablo 3, if I remember correctly. (laughs) A Rat King is when a bunch of rats tails get tied together and they eventually all exist as one being it's a real thing that is gnarly i've never heard of that hold on hold on please hold i'm, I'm gonna send you a photo oh it's horrible yeah that sounds terrible the poor little critters oh my god isn't that awful is this something that just happens yeah wild <laughs> Okay, learning new things today. Right? Oh, man, I should have saved that for, like, a grim fact for the end of one of our episodes, because, dang. Oh, shit. That would have been perfect. Basically, the current mayor also of New York City, uh, and literally, I quote, everyone that knows me, they know one thing. I hate rats. (laughs) (laughs) And I'm... I'm not a person that gets particularly, like, scared of, like, mice and rats and things like that. They don't really bother me. And I grew up in the country where, like, my parents had chickens and horses. So we always had, like, um, their feed and stuff around, which means you're going to have mice. You're going to have little critters and shrews and things like that. Yeah, It's never bothered me. I'm not the kind of person that would, like, leap up on a chair if I saw one run across the room. I'd be like, oh, I don't really want you in my house, but... I'm not scared of you, but a lot of people hate rodents. I love rodents. I've had hamsters and gerbils and mice as pets. Like, they're all so cute. And if rats weren't illegal here, I would have probably had a rat, too. But, like, yeah, if, if they're just coming at you and they're the size of, like, like you said, a small dog, I, it's not a good thing. No, and to be fair, they can carry a lot of diseases and stuff, like obviously famously known for spreading the plague. Um, But yeah, our... our, Not necessarily, no. No, that was disproven. Um, Really? For the Black Plague and everything? Yeah, it was actually gerbils. Oh, well, It was gerbils gerbils and marmots. Marmots. You gotta gotta listen to the last podcast one on, uh, it's like, what, five parts on the plague? Oh shit, maybe I do. Apparently Kathleen Karate was a school principal or has worked in the city's public school system for a really long time. And yeah, she's basically made it her personal vendetta to try and really nail down the rat population in New York. Just because of also like the pandemic, they've really increased over the last couple of years because when restaurants shut their doors, less food waste was making its way onto the street. So it completely destroyed their food source, basically. So it's forced them to have to change their behavior and move away from their usual areas into places where you wouldn't usually see them, which initially led to fewer rat problems. But now everyone's come back. They're spiking in a huge way. And here's what's fun. I just found a Daily Mail article from December 2022. Mm -hmm. And it was from before them hiring her. And it says, Seeking leader of the Rat Pack, New York City post job listing for Ratsar that pays up to $170,000. 
qualifications include swashbuckling attitude, crafty humor, and general aura of badassery, as well as proficiency with PowerPoint. Is this like a real-life Ratatouille sequel? Is she the bad guy here? Oh, she's definitely a villain to these rats. <laughs> oh my god. But here's the, um, the, the job posting here, and this is... The uh, Office of the Mayor, Deputy Mayor for Operations, Job ID Title 38635, Position Title, Director of Rodent Mitigation. That makes it sound a lot less threatening. I feel like, well, when I think of rat czar, I'm literally imagining a big fat rat with like a crown and a cape and like a scepter, you know? Obviously. I don't think of it as the person that's coming out against the rats right so i'm i'm gonna go on with this uh job posting if you don't mind oh please by all now means. it says about the role do you have what it takes to do the impossible a virulent vehemence for vermin a background in urban planning project management or government and most importantly <laughs> the drive the determination and killer instinct needed to fight the real enemy new york city's relentless rat population if so, your dream job awaits. New York Citywide Director of Rodent Mitigation. This reads like an army recruitment ad. <laughs> the world we live in makes no sense. Son, do you want to travel the world and meet new people? Well, have I got a job for you. Oh my god, oh my god. Okay, their statement of values. Oh, please, please go ahead. Rats will hate this job posting, but... 8.8 .8 million New Yorkers and your city government stand ready to work with you to reduce the rat population, increase cleanliness, and prevent pestilence. Well, to be fair, it does seem like um, Kathleen Corrigan, our rat czar, she does realize that obviously over decades, probably close to, you know, 200 years of New York kind of existing in this spot, they've tried to kill the rats. It doesn't work. And so they're trying to really study the rat behavior and like find them in their homes. And she even says, we really underappreciated this mammal and we're, pa and we're paying a very high price for that. I'm surprised to some degree it's not worse, you know. But if you're a rat or a rodent or a mouse or something and say, look, we're doing what you're trying to do. We're trying to increase our species as fast as we can. That's what every mammal is trying to do. So she understands, but it's just, unfortunately, as humans grow, there becomes less space for the wildlife. So <laughs> that almost sounds like she's talking to the rats. Yeah, like, I'm you sorry, guys, buddy. Listen, I'm sorry. We, we got to do what we got to do. But yeah, I do feel sorry for them in the way in a way. It's the same with like the wild foxes in the UK that are becoming much more urbanized and even like the coyotes and stuff here how Absolutely. we're seeing them in more and more residential areas and it's because as humans spread out our animals have nowhere to go. So And they're I'm sorry yeah. but rats are so cute. Yeah, I I like them. I I don't know that I would have one as a pet necessarily necessarily. Um but I have the same appreciation I have for like snakes and stuff. Again, probably wouldn't have one of my own, but I enjoy them very much when my friends have them. Exactly. All right, and from rats, we're going to go into something a little different. Cats. 
for all you uh, TikTokers out there, you may have seen this already, but I came across this just a couple of days ago and it won my heart over immediately. Let me introduce you guys to the one and only Indiana Bones, who is the resident feline at the Museum of Osteology in Oklahoma. So it's a skeleton museum, and he is uh, actually an employee of the museum. So very, very wholesome. I love a good wholesome cat story. Absolutely. You guys should go check him out on Instagram and TikToks. Uh, TikToks? TikTok. On Instagram, he goes by sir.indiana.bones, and he is an adorable black cat. Um, They say he earns his wage by his social media, which has grown even in the last couple of days. Like, it started out and he had, like, 1.5 thousand followers kind of thing. He's now up to 30.4 thousand followers on Instagram. He deserves that. Absolutely, he does. (laughs) He is um, helping them grow their uh, social media following in a big way. And I absolutely adore it when animals have jobs like this. Me too, because that's just so nice. I'm glad that he has a home and I'm glad that he has a role and that people love him because that's just it's wholesome. It's sweet. And the world needs more of that. Yeah. And I think from what I remember initially in the video that I saw is the employees of the museum really wanted him to be an employee also and to be the resident uh, bone cat. And initially there was some pushback on it where they were told they couldn't. So they formed a kitty committee and they were able to state their case and get him hired. I love it. I love that so, so much. I'm so happy for him. I do too. So you guys should go check out Indiana Bones on Instagram and TikTok and stuff because it is wholesome. It will make your day. And it's time for my favorite story of this episode. (laughs) I found this a couple of hours before we were ready to start recording today. I had to add it to today's list. So the article is from abc.net.au and it says Laura Keats released after being treated by RSPCA after falling into tub of dough at Ipswich Bakery. (laughs) That's... Like, how did they get in there? I need to know. Tell me more. So, okay, for those, I'm sure all of you know this by now, but uh, I have a rainbow lorikeet named Mango. He is an absolutely amazing bird. I love him very, very much. He is such a character. And this story is just such a lorikeet thing to do that I love it so much because I could see him doing this. I absolutely could. (laughs) And almost all, like, rainbow lorikeets look absolutely identical. So they all just look like him. And there's pictures of Laura. He's like still kind of covered in dough. And I just look at him and it completely reminds me of him. But anyways, so... 13 lorikeets have been dubbed the Dobros after they toppled into a tub of dough at an Ipswich bakery last week. 13? Yup. <laughs> oh my god. Well, I, because Dina sent me the article, but I didn't click on it because I, I didn't want to spoil it for myself. I just assumed because the picture on the article has three of them. I was like, oh, those are the Doe brothers. But 13. Yep, there's 13 of them. And so they were taken into the vet because they needed medical care because this can be dangerous. Um, So one of the things that uh, Dr. Millers said about the situation was that, first of all, she had a feeling that this was not the first time the colorful group had tried to sneak an early morning snack. 
<laughs> and that they were probably standing on the edge having their fair morning share of bread and that they accidentally toppled in probably because their tummies were so full that they were heavy and they lost their balance. Oh my god. Because the regular uh, lorikeet weighs around 130 pounds, but these fellas were weighing in at around 150 to 170, which is a fair bit. Oh my god, they're little fatties. <laughs> yes, they were. So they had to give them fluids to help them flush the dough out of their system. And at, by the end of it all, they were all completely fine. Um, they did not suffer any issues. They probably had a fair bit of a tummy ache. I would imagine. Um, but all 13, all 13 of them have been released into the wild. The vets made sure that they provided them with the type of food that they're supposed to be eating before they released them. And they have been sent off. But I do have a feeling that uh, this won't be the last time that we hear of the Dobros. Were they from Australia? Is that correct? Yes. So um, this is an Australian story. And the interesting thing about Australian lorikeets is that they were originally introduced into a university. And oh. they were studying them and they had uh, a flock of them at this university. But lorikeets... Any, anyone who owns a lorikeet, and there aren't a lot of us out there, and that's for a reason because they're really really difficult pets to live with i don't recommend it but um <laughs> they're rascals and the ones that they had for this university escaped oh my goodness got out in australia made lots and lots of lorikeet babies and now they are an invasive species with a massive population there okay because when you first said ipswich that's a place in the uk and i'm thinking to myself who has 13 lorikeets because they certainly are not wild in england for the as far as i know um but this now makes a lot more sense because i've only ever seen them as pets like mango and stuff it seems wild to me that you would just be walking down the street and there's just lorikeets like hanging out in the trees oh absolutely and mango and i have done like parrot shows and parrot exhibitions and stuff and that's one of the things that people say is people who visited Australia that they've been out and there's just like 20 of them in the trees and that must be so cool to see absolutely but the thing about lorikeets is they are not a seed eating bird they eat nectar so because of that their digestive systems are pretty different from other birds um which for example like mango his vet has only ever seen one other lorikeet and it's his biological sister so that's insane yeah so they're Holy really cow. really uncommon but they have these weird digestive systems so they have to eat basically a liquid diet and they poop every 10 minutes and they poop so liquid. dough could not have been a good thing oh god obviously no. no but i always picture these like hordes of 20 lorikeets all like just raining poop on you and it would I, it's <laughs> not a good thing no kidding. I bet you they're more of a pest than anything, but at least they're a pretty pest. Yeah, definitely. Like, he's so gorgeous, but at the same time, like, he'll poop on me and then laugh at himself. <laughs> oh, man. Okay, well... We have kind of been brainstorming more topics that we'd like to cover in our extra credit episodes. And something that Dina came up with was to talk about kind of wacky deaths that have happened historically. So we thought perhaps we would start ending with these. So do you want to introduce us to the topic you've picked to end this one with? So the first story for our strange and unusual death 
segment is killed by a circus clown. Yeah, we thought we'd uh, go hard with the first one. Yep. Um, so we have an article here from January 13th, 1854 from the Sacramento Daily Union. Love an old-timey crime. Right, exactly. And uh, it says, The coroner held an inquest today upon the body of W.M. Bernard, the boy who was injured last night at the Pacific Street Circus by the clown swinging him around. A post-mortem examination was held upon the body, the result of which proved to be that death was caused by a rupture of the left pulmonary artery. The coroner's jury returned a verdict of death being produced by accident. He was a native of Cincinnati, Ohio, and was about 13 years of age. Okay, so there's quite a bit to unpack here. First of all, I didn't know that you could just have a ruptured pulmonary artery from being swung around by your feet because when I was a kid my dad and my grandpa used to swing me and my sister around by our feet all the time right that I didn't know that was so scary I didn't know that could happen he must have had perhaps some kind of like weakness or something in it because he was young he was 13 years old and also the idea of a circus clown swinging me around by my feet just seems like nightmare fuel, to be fair. And I'm not someone that's, like, deathly scared of clowns by any means, so... The thing is, like with almost every story that we cover, once you dig deeper, it gets a little bit more interesting. So I want to share a little bit more here. Please. So on January 11th of 1854, so a few days before this article was published, Manuel Reyes was arrested for murder and his case was sent to the grand jury, but nothing really came out of it. But he would later be sent to prison in 1858 on a charge of assault and battery upon a police officer. Okay, so this clown, um, for lack of a better word, ain't clowning around. <laughs> Sorry, that was so cheesy. Hey, this is I had th to. This isn't a joke, Charlotte. <laughs> um, so during the court hearing, uh, he apparently, and this is a quote, commenced slapping his face as if a swarm of mosquitoes were pestering him, and uh, he was muttering broken sentences under his breath. The charging officer swore that uh, Ray's was known to have committed at least two murders previously during that arrest so i wonder was the little boy's murder included in that or was this just a scary killer clown from 1854 well if you hadn't include the information that he had been kind of crazy and was up on charges of assault and battery i would have said you know the thing with 13 year old william was probably just a freak accident no one could have predicted that but now that we know there's sort of a sinister undertone to this clown, I'm like, did he know that if he swung this boy around hard enough that his, like, that he would internally bleed to death? Like, it starts to go down a rabbit hole a little bit. It really does. And that's one of my favorite things to do because it's just, it's fascinating to discover more from a story that we kind of just, like, touch just the tip of and then I want to know more. Um, but I just found while we were chatting another article from mm -hmm. the Daily National Democrat in uh, March 11th, 1859. It says he engaged in a walking match at the museum and he has been sentenced to Stockton as a lunatic. He is said to have killed two men and he had gotten clear on the plea of insanity. 
Ah, so that starts to make things make more sense where he's like slapping at his face and stuff because he either he was mentally ill, which is entirely possible, or he knew that to avoid perhaps a death sentence and just get put in the loony bin, that if he pretended to be insane, they'd probably believe him. Yeah, I mean, either way, this is uh, definitely a bit of a killer clown story for sure. No kidding. I mean, 2016 was a wild year for things like that, but who knew that the killer clown stereotype started a lot longer ago than you'd probably think. Right? I just feel like clowns are never good news. Nah, I I could do without them, to be honest. Yeah, they're not my favorite. (laughs) All right, so we really hope you all enjoyed that roller coaster of news and fun this week. If you guys have any articles that you would like us to talk about on this show, the Extra Credit Show, by all means, send them our way. We are always down to read things that are wild and wacky and grim and all the all of the above. So please send them our way. We talked about this on our latest episode of the regular show, but we are accepting more submissions for Grim Encounters Volume 3. That is our listener submission stories where folks send us their experiences of the strange and unexplained and we share them with all of you. They are always a blast. If you've never listened to them before, there's two that you could three. Three, I think. No, yes, Yes, there's three of them out now. This is going to be our fourth, so check those out. And if you have a story you want to share, you can send it to us at thegrimcurriculum at gmail.com. Yeah, and just throw in the subject line like listener tale or grim encounters. That way we can find them easier later. And these could be anything like if you grew up in a, a, a haunted house or was a relative of yours, like a serial killer, like we want to hear all of that stuff. If it's wild and grim, we want to hear it. And if, of course, if you would like us to read it on the podcast, naturally. Yes, please don't send it to us and be like, but don't tell anybody. <laughs> yes, please don't send us your secrets unless you want us to blab about them on the show, because we will. Yeah, I mean, kind of goes without saying that that's yeah, what this yeah, is all about. Exactly. Yeah. All right, friends. Um, uh, thank you all for listening. I have Sophie the cat getting ready to jump on my lap, which means things are about to get loud up in here so there she is oh our 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 not so silent partner in the podcast sophie the cat everybody (laughs) i'm gonna go sit outside with buffy maybe smoke a J. enjoy this warm ish weather it's a little cooler today but that's not a bad thing so certainly not it has been actually we have been hotter than a bunch of places in like texas and florida uh which kind of blows my mind so yeah things are are scorching over here friends Yeah, it's pretty spicy. I'm hoping for some rain to get rid of some of these fires that are happening. That would be nice, but, you know, here we are. Yep, we, uh, no matter what, we're going to be complaining about the weather because that is just, that's that's who we are. Yeah, welcome to Alberta, the land of extremes of everything. Exactly. Thank you all so much for listening. This has been the Grim Curriculum Extra Extra Credit. Bye. Bye!